0: Hello everyone and welcome to the heart of sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen powered by ELEG 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860AM 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. What a fun week to be a fan in Philadelphia, Jeff. Why? Why? Because of what's been going on, <laughs> I, mean, I, I know have no you idea sar- what you're talking about. I know you sarcastically asked that. <laughs> you, but...
1: you, you got you got a doubleheader with the Phillies and the, and the old-fashioned doubleheader, which is the one I went to, and then apparently I went the wrong night. Yeah, you picked the, the night to go to was the two-hour and nine-minute no-hitter with a guy hitting a home run in his first major league at bat.
0: You're somebody who has been there for a lot of baseball moments. I mean, it's just been a cool homestand, you know, (laughs) whether it's Trey Turner's standing O the other night and then how it's followed up. You got Weston Wilson, who's had 3000 plate appearances in the minor leagues comes up, hits a home run on his first at bat with his family watching in the stands. Michael Lorenzen, Throwing more pitches than he ever has in his career. I think his previous high was 170 through 124 to get the...
1: His previous longest outing was the last outing he had when he pitched eight (laughs) innings. So he had never pitched nine innings before, let alone 124 pitches. The players were joking with
0: Dave Dombrowski afterwards about how he made a good trade in the locker room. I thought that there was a lot of cool things last night. I... You know, we talk about the heart of sports and the family and the journey. And, and you got all that last night with the family motions, the player reactions.
1: You got you got three of them. The, the funny thing is the first thing that happens is Weston Wilson hits his first major league home run in his first at bat. And seeing his family there and and just reading their lips was incredible. But what was lost in it was in addition to that. Nick Castellanos has his family there and he hits his 199th and 200th career home runs. And his son but shows that,
0: up in every celebration throughout the night.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well his, his son, his son's become like a little media star recently. <laughs> right. So, I mean, Nick seems to have, you know, it's funny because when Nick just seemed like this was all work, like he just didn't seem to be, especially last year, did not seem to be enjoying being part of the organization and i don't think it was this organization he just didn't seem to be enjoying himself because he was struggling this year even when he has been struggling and you know there's he's gone back and forth which is the way he's always been he seems to be enjoying this now and and i think that this team it's infectious and i'm going to tell you by the way that part of this infectiousness is, is related to the guy who's not playing right now, which is Reese Hoskin, which is that he has set the tone for this organization for years in developing this kind of clubhouse demeanor. And and it's carried over, especially to the young guys. And, you know, I was sitting at the game the other night, and the first thing I thought was, hmm, would Alec Bohm be succeeding right now? Would Brian, Bryson Stott be succeeding right now? Would they be have the joy that they ha- seem to have right now if we still had? Uh, the last manager? No, no, it
0: wouldn't have been allowed, and that's maybe that's Rob Thompson's biggest strength. You can question some of his moves. I mean, look, before the no hitter, the other night, people were saying it was it was kind of a schedule loss from the lineup he was putting out there because it was sitting Schwarber and sitting Stott. Why don't we leave that conversation there, Jeff, let's keep the fun baseball talk going uh, a special night the other night in, in Trenton, right uh, nearby next door for us. Great to be joined by director of baseball operations and associate coach for the Savannah bananas coach Viro, as he said, to introduce himself, Adam Viran. How are you doing today, Adam?
2: Uh, phenomenal. Thanks for having me on. Super excited uh, to be back in the Northeast where I live in the off season and, uh, Ready to, you know, get in, get after it with you guys.
0: You guys played in Trenton the other night. Uh, I caught a little bit of the YouTube broadcast. Saw a bunch of people's posts on social media. It looked like an amazing night for what I said on the broadcast was your hundredth banana ball game to be played. So, talk to our listeners who haven't seen you about banana ball and how it went in Trenton.
2: Yeah. So first off, you know, banana ball is uh, the Savannah Bananas version of of baseball. We have injected some exciting rules to, to speed up the game and, and make it exciting every single turn of the way. Um, what to expect at a banana ball game. Uh, you're going to see a lot of dancing. You're going you're to see some great baseball. You're going to see some trick plays. Uh, you'll probably have the best time that you've ever had at a baseball field. Uh, ESPN has called us the greatest uh, show in sports, and that's what we really strive to uh, every single show is to – to, to create never forget moments and, and do things on a baseball field that people have never seen, but more importantly, uh, make a positive impact and make people laugh and smile and bring families together. And, uh, Trenton really turned out last night. We had a sold out show. Uh, people started lining up at one o'clock for gates open at five 30. Uh, we had, a, we had a great time and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think they did too.
1: I mean, look, sports is about winning, but it's also about having fun. You mentioned the trick plays. How do those come about? Tell us about a couple of the trick plays and is it something that you work on or does it something that just happens or do you plan to do it at a certain point during your game?
2: Well, all of our games are real. Nothing's scripted once the ball leaves the pitcher's hand and and, and they hit it. So you never know when you're going to have an opportunity for a trick play. But trick plays are a very important part of banana ball. Uh, We want to do something different than traditional baseball, which I grew up loving and so many of our fans love traditional baseball. But Uh, The trick plays was something that we started really working on last summer and um, made it a focal point during all of our training sessions for guys to try new things. Um, Our guys are very talented baseball players, and we know they can make the routine play. So let's try something a little bit different. Let's get out of our comfort zone and really work on some of these things. So one of our most famous uh, trick plays is Dr. Meadows. He's our center fielder. he has landed multiple backflip catches while he's catching the ball midair, landing on his feet. He's been the Center top 10 uh, numerous times. Uh, it's, it's like lightning hits when when, when he catches it. Um, leading to uh, Ryan Cox, he's our glove magician. He's our shortstop. He has um, in excess of 100 trick plays thus far in our tour. And, um, you know, what we're learning is, some of these trick plays and these variations that these these players are, are are maneuvering are a lot quicker and more natural than your traditional kind of ground ball that we were we were taught. So um, what we're seeing is that um, our players are able to they're they're becoming routine for them, and we're also seeing little kids starting to try them. and And I know little leagues and uh, travel baseball coaches across the country are are probably uh, they're horrified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, but. You know, our, our goal is to bring fun back into the game and um, for, for mostly for the youth, because um, travel baseball has really sucked a lot of that kind of energy and happiness out of the game. And uh, so, it, you know, those trick plays really, really bring some excitement, but but happiness and joy to our fans as well.
1: OK, so the, you, you just mentioned that the travel baseball, as somebody who coached travel baseball for half a decade, like I could picture it wouldn't have been me but I could picture so many coaches just going bananas. I didn't mean to use the word bananas, but it works here. Going bananas at the thought of their kid coming out to see you and then coming to before a tournament and trying a trick play. Have, have you gotten that from any of these coaches?
2: We get calls weekly from <laughs> our peers and, and people that we've coached with. And they say, man, man our kids love you, but geez, they're, they're, they're trying to make these trick plays and it's driving us nuts. And and that's, that's fine. That means that we're having some sort of impact. And, um, what we always tell the kids whenever we meet with them is when you see somebody land a trick play on the field, it didn't just happen. It's just like every skill that you have to develop. You got to practice and you got to practice it. So, um, yeah, I coached uh, travel baseball for 10 years in New York city. And so Mm -hmm. if, if, if I was on that side of the fence, not not involved with the bananas and one of my players came and tried to land a trick play in a game and and he botched it. Yeah, I'd probably have a problem with that because that's not going to fly in in high school or, or college. But, um, yeah, I tell you what, I have evidence that some of these transfers are a lot quicker than the traditional route that that we that we have been teaching for for years.
0: You know, I think I, I saw you incorporated into every batting practice. It's taking their daily vitamins yep. is, is the entertainment. And the, so talk to us about what happens. You know, you practice all these things. It's like, will this work? And then it goes viral. What is that like for an organization that's focused on fun and entertainment to kind of get that reinforcement that it's enjoyed so much by so many people?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um... We have a great group of, of, of guys on both of our teams. We travel with two teams. And the, the, the thing that I'm so impressed with all of them is they're so humble. And we play sold-out shows everywhere we go. People are coming to our hotels. It's, it's like being in like the hottest rock band. And so we know that it works. But most importantly, our guys love that they're having this positive impact on these kids and they're, they're creating joy. Um, it's awesome when we see our guys show up on, on SportsCenter Top 10 or something goes viral or a, a former big leaguer kind of acknowledges that we're doing some good things. That's just verifying that um, we are athletes and, and we're doing good things at a, at a very high level. So, you know, it's a level of, uh, of accomplishment, but um, our guys are so humble. It's not going to their heads. After, you know, 60-plus games of sold-out shows and, and being on every news media outlet, um, our guys still show up every single day with, you know, the goal in mind to create a never forget moment for for
1: a fan at that new city. You have your own set of rules. What's it like to go into a new stadium and, and have to explain those rules? Do you get a lot of people like wondering what's going on or how does it work? Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine what it's like for a
2: fan who's not really dialed into our rules, wondering what just happened. How come the bananas just scored one run? And the other team didn't make three outs, and everybody's walking off the field because the way we score the game is a little bit different. Um, we we play every um, every inning counts. So if the if the away team scores three runs and the home team only scores one run, it's not three to one going into the next inning; it's one to nothing. Okay. Conversely, if the home team scores more than the, the visiting team, it's a walk-off and the inning's over and we swap sides. So uh, there's no doubt that there's like a, there is a little bit of a learning curve for, for the new fan. Um, but everything we do from a rule standpoint is, is all for the fans and the excitement and the, the, the enjoyment of the fans. We play with the two-hour time limit. If a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. So we get the fans involved. I mean, what's better than that?
1: Um, I think you might've just, a, you ju- I think you might've just answered my next question. What's your favorite one of the banana rolls?
2: I mean, yeah, I just gave it away. If a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. When it happens, the crowd goes crazy. Uh, we bring them on the field. We announce them to the crowd. We have a running list of everybody who's caught a foul ball at one of our shows. Uh, if, 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 if a party, if, if the party animals are on defense and somebody catches a banana foul ball, they get booed like crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun just to kind of, Hey man, that glove that you brought to the, to the field, you are a player and you can use it to make a legitimate out in a game. And in fact, in Canapolis, the game ended on a fat, a fan catching a foul ball down the line. It ended with a bananas win.
0: You, you said something like, we, we want you to see something that you've never seen before when you come here. I saw it somewhere you try 20 to 25 new promotions every single game, knowing that that some won't hit. Uh, what's that like as a coach out there? knowing you, you're still trying to play baseball. But you've got such engagement with the fans and the entertainment side. I mean, you've got kids on the field taking, taking batting practice during, during different parts of the game. You've got oversized bats. Talk to us about the actual product on the field.
2: You know, there's such alignment between the baseball side that Tyler Gillum and I are on and the entertainment side. We're, we, we both understand and we mesh very, very well. So all of those promotions and those 20-plus promotions that we try – every game that comes mostly from the entertainment side and we have an amazing team of of, of, of people on the entertainment side um, coming up with new ideas jesse cole coming up with new ideas every day and trying um, we understand that if 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 we do the same thing over and over again it's going to become boring and people aren't going to come back so It's, it's similar to SNL and the writer's room where they're all sitting around and they're coming up with crazy ideas. Everybody's trying to plus it and figuring out how to carry it out on the field. And then we try it and, and some fall flat, but some absolutely crush. And when it crushes, we are the most excited for it because we're like, yeah, we did it. Um, And it's also great for the fans because if they've come to shows before, they'll see something different. That's really, really important. It's kind of like going to a rock band that you never know the set list you're going to get got to get some of the old hits but you're also going to get some new ones and some variations that's kind of what you have in a banana ball game too you're going to see something new every time
1: you know you talk about the rock band aspect of this you now have you've become so popular that that major league players want to come play with you you've had you've had one of our great stars from a world series champion and shane victorino come i've seen other times where you've had players that are sitting in the former players sitting in the stands drinking a beer and coming out and pitching a game what is it like to, to now have that your brand of baseball is now like a magnet to Major League Baseball players that kind of want come and just have fun?
2: Yeah, it, it it shows that what we're doing is very legitimate and 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 we're on the right path. And so when you have guys like Shane Victorino or Johnny Damon or Hunter Pence just joined us in Sacramento, wanting to be a part of the, us and and showing up and. And, and leaning into the entertainment, um, that's really awesome. But it shows the world that, hey, you know what? You don't have to be – we're not just all dancing and antics. We play legitimate baseball because Johnny Damon, Hunter Pence, they're just not going to show up to dance. They're going to show up to play baseball. Um, we met with Tim Kirchin when we were in West Palm, and Tim, Tim said, you know – I love what you guys are doing but if the baseball's not good this does not work. So he watched that game and it happened to be one of the greatest games uh, that that we've ever played and after the game I said, "Hey Tim, what'd you think?" and he's like, "The baseball's good. Keep keep going." And so that's all we need to hear. We just need to be some um, to be verified and uh, you know some from these legitimate baseball people because they will tell their friends and that will just help us continue on doing doing what we want for the fans
0: we talked about the fan side of it how do you scout Future players? Is it going here? Or they're op- I mean, Jeff and I tried out years ago for the Sixers G League team. Is it open tryouts that people can come? Or how do you find the next generation of bananas?
1: And when can we try out? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we used to hold open tryouts, and the first two tours we did so. And um, our tryouts are unlike anything else. We ask people to dress up in costumes and and oh. try different things, and it's crazy um due to our success and popularity we've had to limit that now to invite only
0: could, could so, you just invite jeff so he could wear a costume he won't make the team anyway so it, no, just, no, like, no, no. it'd be cool <laughs>
2: we'll talk about it we'll talk about it but um every city that we go to we are holding tryouts so um if we see somebody in a city whether it's phoenix or sacramento or cooperstown and they're in that locale um and they kind of fit the bill. They played some college baseball. They played pro. They have a unique talent. We'll bring them out to the to the game, and they'll work out free game with us. And we'll look at that, um, you know, for the future seasons. Also, we lean very heavily on our current players. Um, that's very important because our players know exactly what is required to play banana ball and play for the Savannah Bananas, the Party Animals, or anybody. So they are our best marketer because they're able to authentically communicate what is um what this whole thing is about and 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 um you know we don't we don't want players where we have to convince them that this is a good thing we want guys who are all in from the get-go and, and want to be a great role model and want to play banana ball and so um yeah our players are great marketers but you know like it also helps having 100 pence say i got a guy who's right for you and, and big leaguers are sending us so that's pretty cool
1: you know one of the things about especially when when you're coaching kids is trying to impress upon them that this is still a game that they should still have fun and 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 travel baseball takes a lot of that out of kids what is it like for the players to come play for you and realize that they can get back to having fun i mean we're lucky we live we're in a city right now where if you look at what's going on with the phillies those players are having fun but you see so many players in the major leagues that do treat you want them to treat it as a career, but at the same time, don't lose the fun aspect because that's what baseball is all about. What's it like when players come to you? Do they realize? Does it does it recharge them?
2: Yeah, we definitely see a reinvigorated player. Um, you know, again, like if if, if at, during the scouting process and the evaluation process, we make sure that we have we're in alignment with that player and that the player really really knows and wants wants to be a part of this. And all too often, we have players, very high-level players, who um, might be interested but also might want to still get into affiliate or or try to make it to the big leagues. And what we tell them is, go live out your dream, and when you're ready to make the transformation to Banana Ball and what this whole thing is about, then then come talk to us. So um, when our players get in the environment and they're around the fans and they start playing Banana Ball – it's just a herd mentality, and, and 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 you see a lot of smiles and, and and happy faces. That said, they're not happy when they strike out. They're not happy when they lose. It's still very very competitive because, um, again, Tim Kershon saying if the baseball is not good, it doesn't work. So we need high level players. High level players are ultimate competitors, and so. We never want them to lose the competitive spirit, but we also want them to keep the perspective about what this whole thing is about. And it is about having fun and showing that you can have fun on a baseball field and still play a very, very high level. So, you know, we have we have talks with guys from time to time when they start, you know, kind of getting down in that hole a little bit, but um, not too often because everybody's in alignment about what our mission is about. Um, creating, you know, happiness and fun and joy for all these fans.
0: So, all right, where do you guys go next? You've had Banana Land on ESPN Plus. You are sold out in stadium. I mean, there was a raffle to get into Trenton the other night. You, you like, could not get tickets to the game. And, and, you know, you have all the success. You're on your third world tour. Where does this go for you with your next innovation?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and, and a lot of people ask. You know, I, I see us going to play bigger stadiums, um, because we have a wait list of 800,000 people on our wanting to get tickets throughout the country. And so um, that's an indication to us that we have a lot more people we need to serve. So we need to play either more games or bigger venues so we can house them all. So, you know, there's talks to play at major league stadiums next year. And that's, uh, that's a whole nother challenge in and of itself. Um, there's talks about having a league, creating a banana ball league so we can have more teams going out into the country and, and serving more people and then also going internationally you know my my dream is to go play in japan and and because i know that this would resonate there um so those are kind of the things that are being talked about and and uh we're going to have our our 2024 draft our scheduled draft on october 5th um people should tune in because you're going to learn about where we're coming and if we're coming to a city near you and more importantly what stadiums we're going to be playing at so um, those are some of the things that are being discussed right now.
1: Adam, I got to ask you, since we do have something else in common, which is you're you were a lawyer. Um, how how did you end up here? from
0: there <laughs> jeff might look to make a career change <laughs> that's that right yeah
1: it's ne- tell me it's never too late
2: <laughs> you know and so i played baseball my my whole entire life grew up in omaha nebraska loving the game i learned everything at the college world series and um you know i was fortunate to play college baseball for um fort scott junior college and also then george mason university i had a career ending injury i couldn't throw anymore so you know real life hit me pretty pretty quickly Um, Jerry Maguire was out in the movie theaters sometime around there. And I was like, you know what, I want to be a sports agent. So I went to law school thinking that that was the right path for me. It wasn't, I knew it right away when I was in law school that this isn't for me, but you know, I I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to quit. I made the commitment to it. And then I practiced law for about 10 years, labor and employment. And, and, um, I don't want to, I tell everybody I hated every second of it, but I just learned a lot about the profession that I didn't like. And um, when I was ready to kind of move on, I was like, what's next? Am I going to go teach? Am I going to go, you know, coach baseball? Um, I was lucky enough to meet up with some old friends who said, Hey, just come, come work with some baseball players in the cage and see how you like it. And um, coming from a a family of educators, uh, you know, I started teaching and I really loved it. I really loved working with kids and seeing improvement and that led me to starting uh, the travel baseball program for the New York Bulldogs connected with the Bulldog Ball Club. We did all of our programming in Central Park. So there's no better office than Central Park. Um, and it led me to the bananas. Uh, a good friend of mine, Nate Fish, uh, he was with Team Israel and he's coached uh, the WBC teams and the Olympic team with Team Israel. Um, he got connected with the, the bananas and he, and he brought me along as an assistant coach three years. Um I had a unique skill set from a baseball and a business sense that led me to being valuable for the corporation and and, and the company. And so they kept me along. And and so now that's why I'm kind of helping out with the the business of uh, business of baseball while also coaching. And so, you know, here I am. It's hands down the greatest job I could ever dream of, including the big leagues. I have friends who have coached in the big leagues. Um, they are, uh, jealous of me and what I'm doing. And so, you know, I landed where exactly, uh, where, where I should have landed. It just took me 48 years of my life to get here, but, uh, but here I am and I'm,
1: I'm not going anywhere. Oh, I'm jealous of those jerseys, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jeff, that's iconic, right? Jeff will go are, get right? they off. are great. The white one's even better. Those are you great. Like the
2: jerseys. white ones, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just talking to our president, Jared Orton. And I said, all right, there's two jerseys that are iconic in my mind. One is the Yankee Prince stripe and I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. then the two is the yellow bananas. Because if you see a yellow Jersey in the wild, um, it's got to mean one thing and it's bananas. Uh, whenever I wear any bananas gear anywhere in the country, I get picked out and they're like bananas go bananas. And so I, I think the yellow jerseys are iconic. Uh, white looks clean, but everybody, everybody wears white. Nobody wears yellow.
0: Jeff's a traditionalist. You're right. Jeff's a, tradi- Jeff's a traditionalist. You'll, you'll see yeah. that. Uh, look, we can't thank you enough for the time, Coach Vero. We, can't, we look forward to seeing how it continues to grow. Jeff and I will watch the 2024 draft. I hope you're coming back to the area so we can catch it for ourselves next time. Thanks so much for the time, and we hope to keep in touch with you.
2: Hey, I appreciate you guys. And, you know, you can always watch all games live on YouTube TV for free. Um, and so that's 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 the best way for you guys to, to stay in touch with us. But thanks for having me on, guys. And, uh, you know, keep fighting the good fight. And we'll, we'll see you in a city near you. Good luck, coach. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: Fun to talk about what the bananas put out on the field and how much effort they and planning they put into it, Jeff
2: you know what
1: it looks like it would be a blast to go to one of those games i hope we get to go someday but you know what there's a blast going on in the city right now it's something that that i didn't you know what i didn't see it coming i'll be the first to admit
0: i was gonna say is it like a different feeling the bats are kind of waking up a little bit they're scoring some runs just a different feel about the team the last week
1: well the question is going to be whether or not this the past week week and a half momentum is going to Con- is going to be able to take hold. Uh, they still have flaws in their game, but some of the flaws and some of the reasons people got dejected are going away. If you listen to the broadcast the other day with the Lorenzen game, m- even more than what was said about how Lorenzen's pitching and the feel good story with Weston Wilson is the story that Kruk brought up about Rojas in that if you notice, since Rojas has been here, the frustration of the fielding mistakes has gone away. He's so, everywhere out there. because he is so confident and they are so confident that he can get to everything. That and he calls with confidence that he's got it. And he and he waves his arms in addition to being very vocal about it that he has a complete command of the entire field behind the pitcher, that he's got. He's got control of the outfield. He can cover a large portion of the outfield. I have yet to see him make a bad break to, in, in any direction of a ball. He seems to know off the crack of the bat exactly where the ball's going, and he takes the most efficient line to get it and makes a secure. That that ball he caught against the wall in the doubleheader the other night, uh, but besides being an incredible play, which you know, I immediately turned to someone and said, well, he's he's just made sure he doesn't have to, buy anything in the city for a while is is just there was a 10 percent probability of someone catching that ball and it's not just the outfielders he's now got the shortstop and the second baseman that they don't have to worry anymore and i think that makes them better fielders as well Uh, i I think that rojas regardless of his hitting which by the way he's hitting over 300 um he's not going to hit for power we know that but he is the old traditional center fielder and his defense is going to make everybody better, and it's also going to give the pitchers more confidence. Lorenzen, yeah. most of his outs were what fly balls.
0: Yeah, I think and, uh, I think Rojas had nine fly ball out catches to him alone. Yeah. Of the, of the thing. And when
1: you when you know, hey, look, as long as it's going to stay in the park, I'm good. Then you just pitch to contact, and that's not a bad thing. You don't have to get 11 strikeouts in a game be a successful pitcher.
0: You were there for the doubleheader, obviously. The second part didn't go as well as the first, but like the atmosphere in the stadium seems different these last couple games. And, and the homestand, if you look at it, they've played good baseball. You've had a lot of feel-good moments with players that have struggled, that have started to turn it around. Like I said, they just seem to be making more contact. They still leave a ton of runners on base, which drives me insane. But look, I mean... Can a flawed team win? Yeah, they can if they can out hit you. I'm a little concerned about the pitching being shaky, but at the same time, got and what he's doing, and Taiwan Walker is the only 13-game winner in baseball right now. And neither of them, by the way, may be in the rotation in a short series. Are you maybe choosing between one of them if they have Nola and Wheeler and Suarez as the first three?
1: Will those be the first three, though? Okay, uh, should so they you be? Want, or you want overreaction be? week? The, the, the overreaction is, let's say Lorenzen pitches anywhere near what he's pitching now. Let's say Taiwan Walker continues to pitch the way that he has. Okay, so you're going to have Wheeler pitching in game one, likely. The real question is whether Thompson's going to put Nolan out there.
0: Well, that decision is more than just whether he's going to be out there in this series. That's a decision that you don't want him back next year. There's no way that you can bring him back and say you don't trust him enough to be your game two pitcher. Now, I don't know if Tom... Do you trust him
1: right now? Do you trust him enough to be your game two pitcher? I don't.
0: Not right now. I don't either. He hasn't uh, you, looked confident all season. And he get, he get he's confident when there's nobody on base, it seems. And he yeah. gets so rattled when there's people that are on base or the pitch clock or whatever it is that, I mean, he gives up the the fly home run that just basically makes it out of the stadium. He, he does those things that you're like, I don't understand. What are you doing?
1: I just think right now, uh, even if you want to say Nola needs, needs to start because we can't have his feelings hurt and we want him to come back next year. Walker should be the second pitcher in the series. He's picked- there's no question. He's earned
0: that. That's the way that they've pitched. But look, I mean, Schwarber was still the lead off when he was hitting 173. That's not what Thompson does. So I would be more surprised if Thompson didn't have him in the two spot than if he does have him in the two spot. I think that's kind of where I come down the to think
1: The thing people are going to have to to feel good about is the bullpen right now is shaky, okay? Sir Anthony Dominguez does this every time he gets back from from any type of injury. So I'm not worried yet about him. You hopefully have Alvarado coming back sometime in the near future. Hopefully, Kimbrough learns to actually pitch without tipping his pitches as opposed to just... Automatically balking to avoid this. Do you situation. like
0: his new entrance?
1: Oh yeah, with the lights. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. As
0: traditional... long
1: as you don't have a seizure disorder, because that's a lot of flashing lights. By the way,
0: the first thing oh. I saw when I saw that is Jeff is not gonna like
1: this intro. It's it's fine <laughs> if that's what people want. I'm, I don't really care. Is it bad that that's how I
0: watch my games now? Thinking about what your reactions what, going. How to I'm gonna be to get annoyed? Thanks see. a lot. I
1: appreciate <laughs> it. But but I will tell you that the promising part of all of this is. Think about how much stronger the ball gets in the playoffs. So Ranger has already shown he can do either. Right. So, and he's shown he could do it in the playoffs. So Ranger in a short series likely moves to the bullpen, but can be your fourth starter. If they go, if you go deep on a playoff front, Lorenzen has pitched out of the bullpen. He can do the same thing. So you, and, and you have Sanchez, who can do both of those things in a pinch. But he's the third guy in that group. And not they're going the first. with a
0: six-man rotation now, so hopefully the Hamels and Wheelers get more rest heading down the stretch. Ha-
1: Hamels is going to get lots of rest. He's not retired. Ha- oh, my
0: God. Well, Hamels retired. <laughs> that's why I thought of him. But the the Nola and, and Wheeler will will get be more rested heading into the postseason.
1: Yeah, Well, that's the hope, but we, we have a history of Wheeler pitches better on four days rest than five days rest, right? So the, hopefully the rest gets him that, but he didn't pitch great when he was a little, on a little more rest. I just hope that it, it saves his arm.
0: I was going to say, I have more faith in Wheeler being able to turn it on for the playoffs with a rested arm than I do with Nola's inconsistency because I view Nola's based on situational you know, the runner on the Wheeler is sort of a different kind of experience. I did want to say, I thought the broadcast of the no hitter the other night was really cool. Um, showing you after the game, all the players on the field still there with the families celebrating, taking pictures. It's fun to see how much this team likes each other, uh, I thought the broadcasters did a great job, especially with broadcasters being so much a focus in the news this week. Would you like to talk about the Orioles broadcasting well, 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 situation well, well, we, at
1: all? We, we did that before. But more importantly, the, the the lead that you're burying is is how the fans have reacted to all of this. And I'll tell you why. You know, fans in the city get a lot of crap. Um, but let's face it. What we have heard and what we have seen now And I'm not telling you that fans should, that any player should ever react to fans or, or do things because of fans, positive or negative. But the reaction that, and the results of Trey Turner, since he, since the fans have done what they've done, Trey Turner is playing much better. He's playing much more confidently. And more importantly, what did Lorenzen say in the postgame interview on the field? he talked about the fans and how the fans have rallied around Trey Turner and how great it is to play here. You, you are now easily going to be able to recruit players and have been able to recruit players because the players themselves are now seeing a different version of Philadelphia. And I think that a lot of that was last year in the playoffs and the excitement that you saw. I mean, look, I told you that one game, I have never been to a game where I a a baseball game. That where the stadium was was literally shaking. Was that much the Reese home was. run, or was that the Harper yes. home run? Which yeah, was well, it? the Reese home run was one of them. yes. Yeah. But the Harper home run was, you know, it, that was that was earthquake. Yeah. It, it, and and I think players are starting to get excited to come here and play.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's definitely we'll see what the team does. You want the team to win, but it's fun watching the relationship that this team has with the city. Uh, and how much they recognize and speak openly about it. You know, you, you used to think, oh, they're, they're just kind of pandering to the fans. It no, doesn't not. come across that way here. It seems genuine with these guys that they didn't expect the standing ovation for Trey. And, and they really appreciate the supporting of one of their guys who they were seeing struggling. Because it wasn't a lack of trying. It was, it was trying too hard.
1: Well, you know, you know, it's interesting. Think about the dichotomy of we just had a former Philly go into the Baseball Hall of Fame who used to talk about how miserable it was to play here and couldn't wait to go to baseball heaven in in St. Louis. He must look at it and go, what happened? Where was this for me? And I'll tell you what happened. These players are really likable. They, Again, this started with Hoskins, and this is a likable group of people.
0: But I think you saw it in the postseason, you and you saw it in the second half of the season last year when their personalities came out after the firing of the manager. You know, I don't know what it was, but whether they weren't able to show their personality, you couldn't relate to the team because you didn't know anything about them really. Now, all of a sudden, you see them, you. You know their families. You you know what's going on. They they share It's Just a different type of relationship than I've seen with other teams and athletes in the city.
1: Which is funny because the players are getting to show you their personality. I still haven't seen Thompson have one. <laughs> but
0: maybe that works.
1: Like maybe, I know. I think I think that's it. He just seems to be
0: the the kind of soft spoken, like humorous comment kind of guy. But he's not no. like the rah rah. Make you run through a wall, guy. It seems like he saves the you know peel the paint off the wall speech for when it's really needed. Yeah, I, I
1: but he's making some decisions. The that, that bringing in Hoffman the other night was I, I literally turned and said, "Here comes the two run homer." Well, look, like,
0: I, I mean, you've seen it. There have been nights where, like, you weren't watching the game, and I would text you, and by the time you got it, they'd won the game. But I was questioning the in-the-moment mm-hmm. decision, and you're like, what are you complaining about? I'm like, you don't understand. This and it's like the game, they won the game. And so you could question it, but if it ends in a winning result, right now they're you know, three and a you know half, four games up in the wild card. They can put a little more space there and keep it moving. Set himself up good for a, a fall run.
1: Well, you know what? They're they're in the driver's seat and we should talk about another team that's making a making a run right now internationally. Okay, you tell me. The union. I mean look look at what the union is doing now. Now they're, they're they're into tonight. They'll be playing in the round of eight. Um, I know there are people that don't want that want to hear this, but if they win uh and Miami wins, Messi's coming to Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, I feel for it, the it, media department. It is going to be union. crazy.
1: You don't want to get ahead of yourself,
0: and it is one game at a time, but mm-hmm. I mean, have you watched any of the the messy stuff, Jeff? Like I know you're not an Apple, watch other games, guys. No,
1: I I have the subscription. So I, I, I stayed you know, so
0: up, yes. I know this will not surprise you. I stayed up to watch Dallas, Miami the other night. Dallas FC against Miami. That game was drunk. I mean, there were so many things that went on in that game that were crazy. So many missed opportunities, at how it ended. Um, he has lived up to everything that, that MLS could have hoped for in terms of growth already in four games. He's got seven goals and an assist. He's the leading scorer on the team. He's the fourth leading scorer in the history of the team already in four games. They oh, now boy, have... They now have 13 million Instagram followers and 75 million followers on Twitter. And you say, okay, that's just social media rankings. But that is a larger audience that you can now sell products to, that you can push to subscribe. And remember, Messi's getting a cut of it. So, I mean, I think it's done for the league what they want. You're starting to see some of these other bigger names overseas talk about maybe they'll come here. I I don't know how MLS balances the financials of all of this with some of these teams. I mean, you've got the other teams basically paying for Messi to beat them up right now in order to to expand the league. It is is, a league you want to
1: make money as a league, but it is odd that other teams are basically paying for Miami to go from the cellar to potentially a playoff spot. I mean, how are they? They are were the worst team in MLS.
0: And not right how, now. How? Why don't we leave our talk there and bring on Nate Harriel and let's, let's talk some more soccer. Before they play the next Leagues Cup game in Chester tonight, welcome to the show, Philadelphia Union defender Nate Harriel. Nate, thanks so much for the time.
3: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Talk about what this time's like. You guys have played a lot of soccer so far this season. Got another game in Leagues Cup tonight, trying to advance to the next round. What's this tournament been like for you guys to be able to kind of come together and, and advance so far?
3: You know, it's a, it's a it's a very interesting tournament to take part in. You know, between the two leagues, league, MX and MLS. You know, uh, it's nice to be playing these teams in uh, Mexico because you know it's it's new. You're not used to it. Uh, it's good competition all across the board, and um, you know, there's spots for um, Champions League, uh, a trophy, and there's uh the financial part of it too. Um, it's just a it's a good experience to be playing the tournament.
1: How how much fun was it for you to score that goal?
3: Uh, especially against Red Bull, it was, it was very, very emotional. It was, it was great, you know. It was good to get a derby, a goal, uh, another header too. So, um, and it was a big goal too. Uh, that to put us into um, the PK. You know, we were, we were knocking on the door, and just to be able to put on the back of the net, it was it was huge.
1: The last two games have ended in penalty kicks. What it what is it like as a player to go through that experience, and what it, what is it like standing there with your teammates as each one of your teammates goes up there? And the same when when Andre has to be blocking those.
3: Yeah, no, um, it's it's a very unique feeling, you know, because Alcaraz <laughs> one kick, you know, um, that walk to the PK spot is a very long and lonely walk, but you know, being there with your team on the halfway line uh, all together and having Andre. Knowing that you have Dre Net, it's, it's a huge boost in confidence, you know? Dre's the best keeper in this league, and he's probably the best keeper on this continent. So just having him at night and knowing that uh, he'll do his part, it's huge. I just saw I like, guess Red Bull.
0: Talk, talk about playing at Subaru Park. You guys were kicking into the sons of Benden the other night. Just talk about what that atmosphere is like down there when you guys are playing with the fans.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it's great. You know, um, off the coin flip, you know, you're always going to be in front of your uh, supporter section. And we were able to get that uh, last night. So um, it was huge. It was super loud. Even the whole entire game, even though the Sadie wasn't sold out, it was still very, very loud. And, you know, just um, having them behind us, it's, it's great. Give us a little boost of energy. You know, uh, it's fearful for teams coming in here. You know, our record shows that. So, um, you know, it's, just, it's great to have fun to have been back there.
1: You know, you've been playing soccer since you were four years old. Uh, we read a story that uh, part of it was because your mom just wanted you to get out of the house and run around. What what, what, what was it like playing soccer as as a four-year-old? And, and could you have ever envisioned that this is where you would be? Um, it was, I don't know,
3: it was just like running around the field, get the energy out. So by the time you come home, you're tired, you know, you go right to sleep. But, um you know, growing up, I played every sport. So, um being professional in, in soccer is it's kind of surreal to, to still think about you know um for the longest time I would just play so and obviously get a scholarship to, go to college and figure it out after them but to be able to, where to be where I'm at now it's it's huge it's I'm very forever grateful for it
0: you came up here from Florida to to come join the Union Academy talk about what that's been like and and what has been like to have some of the guys who came through the academy with now share the experience with the big club or move on so that you can see the success that may be in front of you and them?
3: Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, uh, the adjustment period was very, was very challenging, you know, from moving a kid from Florida all the way up to um, a big city like Philadelphia. It's a it's a big adjustment between the weather. Um, I was my first time away from home, you know, different play style, new culture. So, um, But no, the adjustment was great, and knowing that you have people with you uh, in the residency house, you know, we're all from different areas in the country. So um, going through that with somebody is uh, it's a, it's a, it makes it a little bit easier. It's still hard. And then when you do make the jump to the first team and you see um, kids you lived with in the house uh, or kids you went to school with, it's uh, it's 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 great to have them with you uh, through the journey.
1: You know, you you talk about the, the, these mates, the guys that you have been playing with since you were so much younger. Does it make it easier when you get become a pro, when you get up to the big club, to to have some of those guys there that you went through this entire experience with?
3: Yeah, you know you you see familiar faces, so you get a little more comfortable, a little bit more relaxed in training, not as stressed out when you make your jump to the first team training. So it's good, and it's also uh, it's it's also nice seeing um, you know when you're playing against each other teams, kids you play with in the youth, the youth national team um, from from young from like U18 up to now, you guys play each other now. On the big stage which is um <clears throat> it's it's awesome to see you know um i'm good friends with cameron harper from red bull and uh john tolkien you know playing against them it's great you know it gives you a little bit of confidence because they're there and you're there so it's just like you know uh we're both here we can both play on, in this game and perform to our best
0: somebody who's been able to work with you as you've come up through the system and now at the big club as coach Curtin. talk to us about what it's like to get to play for him and, and work with him as you grow your career.
3: That's great. You know, um, Jim's a great coach. It's, it's, you've seen his record the past couple of years. Um, deserving of coach of the year last year. Um, and he believes in us, all of us, you know. Um, he won't put you in the field unless he believes in you. And he's shown throughout the years that he, he trusts young guys, unlike some other clubs in MLS. So just knowing that you have that <clears throat> in the back of your head, and he backs you and gives you all the confidence to go out there and perform your job to the best of your ability. So that's a great feeling.
1: You know, we've had the chance to talk to Coach Curtain uh, many times and, and watch him on the sideline. There's there's a quiet confidence about him, but also an intensity. W- what is the thing as a player that you admire most about him?
3: Uh, that he always wants to win, and um, no matter what, the game could be five nothing, six nothing. He's still screaming at little mistakes. You know, he's a perfectionist, and that's that's. Um, it takes a lot to do that, you know. You can get complacent real easily when it's 5 nothing, 6 nothing, real quick, you know. So um, just that drive to be perfect and keep a clean sheet when, uh, when we have these big games, just stay focused for complete 90 is huge, and that's what championship teams are made of.
0: You know, you talk about some of the experience, you know, playing against these teams from Mexico in the League Cup last year, making it all the way to the finals and having that experience. The international experience playing for the U.S. youth national team how has that helped to shape you? The diverse opportunities that you've had to really play against such different types of people.
3: Um, you know, it's it's great. You know, having a little bit of everything, playing against a little bit of everybody is it's great. You know, uh, you can adjust to different styles of play. You know, the Mexican league plays a little bit different from MLS play. Um, with the national team, you know, um, when you play teams from Europe, it's a little bit different play too. You know, so it's it's great to uh, <clears throat> have a little bit of everything. You know, just like. When I was younger, I played almost every single sport, and I feel like that contributes to um, my ability now when, I, when I'm on the field. So it's just like the same thing when you play with other teams. Uh, over time, you get used to the play style, and it's like a big mix, but it's a good mix.
1: You know, you talk about the difference in, in styles between countries and leagues. You, you have a lot of different styles on your own team. You, yeah. you're, you're, you're a kid from Florida who now plays with players from all over the world. What is, what's it like to be able to play with so many different people who have come from so many different cultures?
3: It's amazing. You know, I mean, every single country, every single continent area has their own style of play between, you know, the guys from South America, the guys from Europe, the ones that the Americans here, you know, it's, it's great. And even the guys that, that aren't American and played, like Ollie's played over in Europe before. So it's, um, it's cool. You learn a lot, you know, different play styles, uh, Everyone is teaching each other stuff to do, so it's 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 really cool. So we know
0: about your skill on the on the pitch. Uh, my understanding is you got some skill on the bowling lanes too. Talk to us about Tuesday night bowling.
3: Yeah. So me, Rafinello, and Chris Donovan are in a bowling on Tuesday night. We missed, of course, last night, and um, hopefully we miss next week's bowling too. But no, it's 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 a great time just to, to get off get off the field, hang with the guys, um, and not talk about soccer. You know, it's it's fun. It's enjoying. We still make it competitive in the league, you know, so it's, it's just a good night out.
1: You, you ever get the coach to come?
3: Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> Got
0: to work on
1: that. Yeah. You know, we all find different ways and, and players find different ways to blow off steam. In addition to bowling, apparently you have a new teammate that you're bringing to practice every once in a while. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like,
3: yeah, what's there. been
1: the reaction to bringing, bringing the new pup around?
3: Oh, uh, the guys, the guys love it. You know, um, I don't think any of them have the other sides, like maybe Quinn. Um but no, they love it. Uh they don't like taking care of it, but they like being around it when he's just chilling here. But um, he's uh he's great to come into the train uh in and training uh the office, people in the front office. And Joe, there. It's a good stretch leaving. But no, he's he's a great dog.
1: All right. With all these people, the, the, all your teammates coming from different cultures, do you get to show them cheesesteaks or Cubans or what? what's the food that you bring to the table?
3: Uh, the only food I brought to the table is when we were in Florida for preseason. I would bring them. <laughs> I would just tell them to go to Publix and get a Publix sub, And most of them did it. And they, uh, they all loved
0: it. They were happy with it. Jeff's normally yeah. the food question guy. You do have a routine, though. I, I think I saw you go to First Watch for breakfast in the morning. That's how you start your game day routine.
3: Is that right? Right? Yeah, I either go to First Watch in the morning or I have four Eggo waffles in the morning.
0: So what's that? Is it a superstition or is it just a comfort? What is it that kind of drives I don't know. you for the I routine? I think it's just like a
3: comfort because when I'm at home on the weekend, usually after church on Sundays, my mom and I always be like, I go to First Watch. There you and go. I found my First Watch up here and I just, just like love going there. It's amazing.
0: Well, look, we wish you the best of luck in the game tonight. We we hope that you have to miss bowling next Tuesday night, but we'll take one game at a time and I look forward to keep following on your success, and hope to get to talk to you again, man. Fun to get to talk to Nate before the game tonight, and fun to see the success he's having as a young guy coming up with this team.
1: You know, it has been a blast watching these games, except it is as, as a, you keep texting me, the tension with these PKs. Is... I can't take it. My anxiety and nerves. I, I don't understand why. I under. I, I mean, I understand that they don't want these guys to play too much because these are additional games. But at the same time, can't they have like a ten minute overtime before the penalty kicks? Like this, it. So I will it's say that frustrating to they, me.
0: The the game the other night was their thirty fifth game of the season already. They played mm-hmm. thirty five games. All of last season. So they're on pace to play like 46 or 48 soccer games if they make a run in the playoffs this year. Yeah. That's a lot of soccer. So I could understand why they don't do it. There is a lot of complaining from Liga MX about... The VAR reviews and all of the games being played in the MLS stadiums. Look, there is no way Don Garber in the MLS is going to give up messy income to go play it in another stadium.
1: Well, and we've talked before about what's going on in some of the Mexican stadiums. So, you know what? If they want to keep doing that down there, then maybe they don't deserve that games
0: down there. I hear you. Let's leave the soccer there. Uh, Jeff, by the time that we finish this conversation, teams may move again in college football and, and college sports for conferences. The Pac-12 is basically no more. It's it's four teams right now. Uh, Pac-4? But the, the Big 12 is what? The Big 16? 16?
1: The yeah. Big, I, I, I mean, I, Big 10 is 18? Yeah, and the and the ACC is all stabbing each other in the back now. So, which is how great is it? Florida State's so let's get this right. Florida State is complaining that they don't make enough money and that they're threatening to leave. Where they're going to go, I don't know, but they're going to they're they're threatening and rattling a saber if they don't get more money. But the ACC is considering bringing in Cal and Stanford, which will mean that they all make less money. And the, and the person who apparently, or the team that's apparently leading the charge to bring them in is the team that's not even in the conference full-time, which is Notre Dame. So the, you want to talk about dysfunction. It's been, the NCAA is dysfunction. All of this stuff is dysfunction. None of this makes sense. You're a Rutgers grad. You, you're going to be sitting there watching your team travel to Oregon 3, and Washington and miles. LA. Yes, And and as much as you may be able to do that for football, it's not, that's the revenue driver, but there's a whole bunch of other sports that can't sit there and, and have their college baseball team travel 3000 miles multiple times to go play a baseball game. When Washington or plays Indiana
0: or... in wrestling, it will be a 2,297-mile journey. When Oregon plays Rutgers, it will be twenty-nine twenty. in terms of how and, far and, they go. And,
1: and as bad as all of these conferences, how, how would it sound that the Atlantic Coast Com- Conference is looking to add two teams on the Pacific Coast?
0: Now, I will say this. People don't realize the implications of Stanford with the amount of Olympic athletes that come out of that program. If they don't land someplace and don't continue to have sports, that will impact the United States Olympic program, so it, that's not a factor in this conversation.
1: Why, why, wait, why? Why would that impact be, the, because the, the Olympic
0: program? Because there's a lot of athletes that come out of Stanford sports that end so up. So what? The they'll Olympics go somewhere program. else. They will, but where will they go?
1: But that's not going to. How is that going to affect whether or not we we win Olympics? They'll uh, just, just go play. I'm just go, saying, go as go of right now, else.
0: that's a feeder for it. That's not how these decisions are made. But it's just another thing that's going to be a casualty. Of all this arms race to get into these major conferences. It'll be a, ca-
1: it'll be a casualty for Stanford. It so, won't be a casualty for America. So, what do you think happens to those 14?
0: Do they end up in the Mountain West? It seems like the ACC is kind of... Blocking. No, they're going to split
1: up. They're not going to stay. They, they already tried... The, the San Diego State already tried bringing them in. That's not working. They voted no to that. That There's no way... I don't see how they can do that unless they have absolutely no other option. That, and that's, that's what's going to happen, is they're going to have to explore every single option for I don't know how long and have this uncertainty because they're not going to get the... What's going to happen to them? They have no contract. After this year... Those four teams have no revenue source right now. They have to find some place to go.
0: Yeah, they turn and right down. now. There's
1: no place for them to go.
0: I guess the Pac-12 deal was the Apple TV and it was contingent mm-hmm. on a lot of things and those teams didn't feel comfortable. Well, Apple's not going to offer it up to the Pac-4. No, they're not going to offer anything to any of them. Where does this end? We've got about two minutes left in the show. We're going to try and get John Bacon on to talk more about it next week. Is this just a pause or do we see a lot more realignment now or do you think we're where we're going to be?
1: How, how long counts as a pause? This all happened within the course of two weeks, a month. I mean, it, and, and it all started with a 1-11 in 11 football team moving <laughs> conferences. I mean, yes, it started before that with UCLA and USC, but there was a decent pause. And then Colorado said, we're not sitting around waiting for this disaster to happen. They left, which led to three other teams from the four corner states leaving. And then you had the rest of it leaving. So... It's going to keep happening until all the TV contracts are locked in.
0: Are you looking forward to the Michigan-UCLA rivalry that will develop out of this?
1: No, but you know what? And, and I know this is, is kind of passe and will show by age. I, I'm, a, I'm a child of the Rose Bowl, the Big Ten versus the Pac-10 football games. And they still have that when the Rose Bowl is not hosting the national championship or a playoff. That's gone now, unless they want to make the Rose Bowl East Coast Big Ten teams versus West Coast I, Big Ten teams. It seems like they're moving in
0: that direction: a Big Ten East versus and a Big Ten West. Is, is... this
1: kills bowl games? Isn't
0: that what you wanted?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> I, love I love bowl games. Away. No, I don't want. I want. I don't want the Weed Eater Bowl. I don't want the Bahamas Bowl. But, but there, the bowls were a great thing. This this will signal the end of bowl games.
0: That's going to be the last word for this week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work.